the heart of the book of Proverbs, which is chapter 10, verse 1 through chapter 22, verse 16, we've been studying for quite a while. We started out in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which is all introduction. And then we got to this section. And it's a long section from chapter 10 to chapter 22. It contains 375 different individual Proverbs. And these Proverbs are, are so full of insights into living a life that is pleasing to God. But the interesting thing is that these Proverbs, for the most part, stand alone. You, you read one proverb, as we've seen, and then the next one is totally unrelated as far as subjects in there, although in, related in the sense of what pleases God and how to glorify God. Um, but generally, they have the one after, one, the one before has no connection with it. But tonight, we are looking at an exception to that. There are six Proverbs in a row that are about, of all things, ideal kings. And they are in verses 10 through 15. And they tell us what a king, and we could interpose with that the word leader, a king or a leader, they tell us what a king or a leader should be like. I think it'll be obvious when we read this that, unfortunately, so many do not follow this. But this is what God says a king or leader should be like. Um, and they find their ultimate fulfillment in the king of kings, which is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, is, he, is, he exemplifies every one of these six Proverbs. You could, for the most part, intersperse the word or interchange the word Lord uh, in place of the word King and uh, be reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfill them, fulfillment of them. And of course, these, these prophecies uh, greatly demonstrate Christ's character. So it's interesting to look at these verses on both levels the level of our earthly leaders and the earthly of the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior. Now, in our last study, the last verse we looked at was verse 10, which is the first of these six Proverbs that deal with the king. And the title of that proverb was, the king should weigh all the facts and reach a just decision. And that is in verse 10. And the titles of these individual Proverbs are adapted from a commentary called The Wisdom of Proverbs by Bob Beasley, although I many times do adapt the title that uh, he gave. That especially happens uh, in the Proverbs tonight. Well, let in honor of God's word, let's stand and in honor of God's word as I read Proverbs 16 verses 10 through 15. Verse 10, an oracle, in this verse we looked at last time, an oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king. 
and he loves him who speaks what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. In the light of a king's face there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. This is God's word. You may be seated. So the first of these Proverbs we will see tonight is in verse 11. And you'll see in your notes that the title is, The King Should Execute Justice and Fairness in the Business World. Uh, Solomon knew that God's law that God gave uh, through Moses uh, decreed that they should have fair and just business practices. Hold on to uh, Proverbs 16 and turn over to the book of Leviticus uh, in, in the law that God gave through Moses. Leviticus chapter 19. There are, there are other verses, but this is one very uh, striking one that uh, definitely talks about this. Proverbs 9, or excuse me, Leviticus 19, verse 36 part of God's law to his people Israel, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah. An ephah was a measure uh, for measuring grain. Um, and a just hen, that was a measure for measuring uh, liquids. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So God decreed that uh, Israel was to have just weights and measures. And of course, Solomon uh, would know that. But he wrote in verse 11, a just balance and scales are the Lord, are, are the Lord's. Um, when it talks about a just balance and scales, uh, the king of Israel was the one who established the weights and measures for the kingdom. In other words, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but in our country, we have a standard that has been set. What exactly is a pound? What is an ounce? And, and things like that. And, and those weights and standards are set by a government agency. It's called the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Ever, ever, ever heard of it? Probably not. But we see the result of that uh, every day in our, in our uh, buying and selling and so on. The weights, this, this agency makes sure that the weights and measures that of things we buy measure up to what they have decreed in the United States is how much a pound is, for instance. And, and so they inspect everything from commercial scales uh, and gas pumps, for instance, uh, it, how, how, how much liquid is an actual gallon. And uh, so there is a standard that the gas pumps are set with. This much goes into the tank, that is a gallon, and that, there is a price for that. Well, it's not an arbitrary thing. It is set by this agency of the government. And, and then they check on thousands of packaged goods. Every package of food items and so on we buy will say, well, in this are five ounces or 16 ounces and things like that. Well, they're not, uh, they're not just saying, well, we hope everyone abides by it. They check things. 
and, and so on. That's part of how things are supposed to work. And of course, you've all seen a movie or television program, particularly from days before the modern uh, uh, cash registers and things that we have, that someone's in a store and they're, they're buying uh, some flour, let's say, has been measured out, and, and the store owner will put his, put his thumb on the scale to make it seem like it weighs more so that he gets more and so on. Well, that is not having a, a, a just weight and, and measure. And in Israel, this was part of God's law for Israel, that a just balance and, and scale and so on are the Lord. So this verse is saying, that the Lord is behind the standards that the king establishes because it's part of this, this country system that the king, king will establish. And this verse is saying that behind that is what God is, is directing. Therefore, what this proverb is saying is unethical business practices are not only in defiance of the king, but more important, they are in defiance of the Lord himself. He goes on to say in the next part of verse 11, all the weights in the bag are his work. What's that talking about? Well, merchants in those days would have a bag. Well, they used some scales and then they had a bag and the bag would have some weights in it. And uh, if, if this business owner is unethical, he would have two different sets of weights. He would have a weight set of weights that is lighter than it says they're supposed to be. And he would have some weights that are heavier than it says they are supposed to be. Depending on whether he's buying or selling, he would put those weights on the scale. And then what you're buying or selling gets put on the other side of the scale to balance out. And it was a way of cheating the people. And uh, dishonest businesses had uh, these different weights and measures. But this verse is saying that God's bag does not have two sets. He has one set of actual, accurate weights. And that's a good reminder that in, in so everything in life, uh, God has a standard. And that standard is part of his righteousness. And uh, you, you don't have to say, well, we can bend that here and so on. No, if it's the standard, it is God's standard. And so he says, all the weights in the bag are his work. In other words, God is involved in establishing what justice and fairness in the business world looks like. God demands honesty in every business practice. So that's basically what this verse is talking about. Now we can say, well, that doesn't really do have much to do with me because I don't own a business and I'm not selling things like that. Yeah, but most people, sometime in their life, they sell a car to someone or they sell a house to someone. And it is uh, it can be a real temptation when you're selling a car, for instance, to not give some important information 
about some uh, possible uh, repair jobs that are coming up and needed for that car, or that it's been in an accident and maybe damaged, and, and you just kind of cover that up. And people selling a house can kind of just cover over the fact that it, the house gets flooded uh, in heavy rain or something like that. And so it's a reminder to all of us that we are to, if we're a Christian and name the name of Christ, we are to have ethical business practices. Uh, very, very important. Now, God through Isaiah, the prophet, told the people of Isaiah's day that they could not live in the presence of holy God because he's like a fire of consuming fire. And he gives them some examples of business practices that will demonstrate their righteousness. These are marks of regeneration. Turn over, and these are marks that deal with these big business practices. Turn over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah 33. In Isaiah 33, verse 14, the last phrase of verse verse 14, who among us can dwell with everlasting burnings? In other words, he talks about the righteousness of God and the holiness of God is is like a fire that consumes evil. And, And look at then verse 15. Uh, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. In other words, um, don't, uh, uh, don't get into ex- extortion and, and bribes. Um, who despises the gain of oppression? Uh, don't, don't be in, in that kind of business practice. Uh, he goes on, who shakes his hand lest they hold a bribe. Um, the idea of shakes his hand, uh, how pe- we, we are used to shaking a person's hand, sealing a business deal. And um, it says, don't do that in connection with a bribe. You, you, are, you are going against that. Who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and uh, shuts his eyes from looking on evil. In other words, shut our eyes from looking with approval on evil. So these are, these are, these are marks of a changed life, regeneration. And that's, that's what our business practices are to reflect. Turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalm 139. As we, as we think of our business practices... And again, it's not just if you own a business, but just in the different things that come up in daily life, selling a car or something. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Verse 23, this is a prayer. Ask the Lord to show you the ways in which you've not been fair and honest in business dealings. Look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous, any sinful, any wicked way in me, and lead me 
in the way everlasting. That should be a prayer that we would have concerning our business practices. And as, as God would show us, oh, you know, there was that, uh, that, that one deal that you did, and that was not honest. Uh, we need to repent of that and then reconcile with that person. It's a very, very important prayer. Well, then turning to the next proverb in Proverbs 16, the king should abhor all wickedness and not allow sin to reign. This morning, I was shocked at something. Uh, every morning after I get up, I, I have uh, the Fox News app on my phone and I, I go to that and I look at the headlines. They have a bunch of headlines on there on, on what's happened. And one of the headlines I saw grabbed my attention. It talked about a city in California being in great uproar over something. Now, since I lived all my life in California until seven years ago when we moved here, um, I'm always interested in what's happening. And what if I see something like that, I will go to see what the city is, to know if it's a city that I've had involvement with. Well, lo and behold, it's the city that I grew up in. And uh, I don't think, and while we've been in New Jersey, I've ever seen National City, California mentioned in any national news story. I, I won't go into the details, but... Um, Something is happening in that city of some very, very public, lewd behavior and that's going on. And it's, it was interesting to read that it all stems from two laws that were passed a few years ago by the state of California. And the legislature passed them and the governor signed them. And out of that has come terrible, terrible wickedness. I mean, I read that. I couldn't help but think of my mother. My mother, for several decades, was manager of the National City Chamber of Commerce. And I remember her heart's desire to keep seedy things out of the city. And uh, I, I, I can just see her working on those things. And I read that and I thought, well, I know she's in heaven, but using the terminology in the world, she would be rolling in her grave if she knew about this. And her grave is on a hill that overlooks National City. But she's in heaven. She's not rolling around in her grave. But uh, so what, where am I getting at? This, this, the king should abhor all wickedness and not allow sin to reign. We have often in our government, different levels, state, country, and so on, a, a, a promoting of sin. And uh, instead of not allowing sin to reign, engaging in sin reigning. And this is one of the big principles that God gives in these Proverbs about the king. Look at verse 12. It is an abomination to kings to do evil. Now, 
When he uses the word abomination, that's a word that's used throughout scripture to describe God's response to sin. And it means something disgusting, something detestable. This is the idea of that word abomination. Turn over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27. Uh, we have this word here. And uh, this verse is now looking all the way back to, to the future. It hasn't happened yet, but in the future, in the new Jerusalem and, and, and God's after all the judgment and, and so on and for us in eternity. And in the new Jerusalem, he says in verse 27, Revelation 21, and nothing unclean, and that's a word that speaks of sin, and it's filthy, it's detestable, it's like this word abomination, will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is detestable. Some translations have the word there, abominable, or from our word abomination, or false. God won't tolerate it in, in the New Jerusalem. But look, but only who will enter, only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, he doesn't say uh, no one who does detestable things can come, but only those who, who do not do detestable things. He goes a step deeper than that. And he says, but those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the redeemed. That's God's book that lists all his own. Those who he has chosen since before the foundation of the world and that Christ died for on the cross. And we have been absolutely cleansed of all of that abominable stuff. And we are the ones that will be allowed into uh, the new Jerusalem. Well, turning back to Proverbs chapter 16. So this is strong language uh, for the king that uh, it's an abomination to kings to do evil. Why? Well, the next phrase in verse 12, for the throne, he talks about the throne. Well, the king's throne, but the king's throne is really God's throne because the king is, the, is God's representative in the nation. So it's really God's throne. And uh, therefore, his throne is righteous. And therefore, the king is to be righteous himself. If the throne is righteous and, and so on, the king is to be righteous. He continues in the next part of the verse. For the throne is established by righteousness. Turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Because remember, I mentioned at the beginning that all of this is certainly uh, pictured in Christ, who is the ultimate fulfillment of all this as, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And about the same day that I was doing research on this in my devotional reading, I happened to be reading the first chapter of Hebrews. And I came to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, and I thought, aha, what a great reminder that Jesus is that ultimate king that's in these Proverbs. 
uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, but of the Son, he says that he is God the Father. And of the Son, that would be Jesus Christ, he says, your throne, we've just been seeing in Proverbs about the king's throne, and it's God's throne. Your throne, O God, and so here's a great reminder that Jesus is God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter, that was the symbol of a king that stood next to the, the throne of the king, this, this kind of symbol that was there. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved, oh, look at this. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. What a great picture of Jesus, the ultimate fulfillment of this prophet that he has loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And so therefore, the earthly kings of Israel are, are to do that. Uh, Proverbs gives some ways in other verses in Proverbs that a king can establish his throne by righteousness, such as by ridding himself of ungodly counselors. That's in chapter 25. Verse 5, Proverbs 25, 5. Take away the wicked from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Who's in the presence of the king? Well, his, his advisors, his helpers, and people in his administration. And so if this uh, king wants to establish his throne by righteousness, he needs to rid himself of ungodly counselors. That is good counsel from God to any earthly leader today. We need it in the presidency. We need it in our governors. We need it in every level of government. Another one, by ruling with justice and rejecting all attempts at bribery. Chapter 29, verse 4. 29, 4. By justice, a king builds up the land, but he who exacts gifts tears it down. That exacts gifts, that's talking about bribery. Then by ruling with, uh, or the next one, by treating the poor with justice, down in verse 14 of this chapter, if a king faithfully judges the poor, his throne, that's what we've been looking at, will be established in righteousness. These are just some of the ways in which a king can establish his throne by righteousness. Now, you look at, um, turn over to Psalm 110. Interesting in light of this, Psalm 110, King David uh, had some resolutions. Psalm 110 and, uh, excuse me, 101, Psalm 101 and verses uh, 5 through 8. I don't know if you've ever noticed these resolutions of King David. Verse 5, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Now, slandering the neighbor secretly, that's violation of God's law. And uh, he talks here about capital punishment, which as the king, he has the authority to do. He says, I'm not going to play around with unrighteousness. So um, I will... 
Uh, he who slanders his neighbor secretly, I'll destroy whoever has a haughty, that's proud, proud look and an arrogant heart. I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. All these things that are, that are ungodly. He says, I'm not going to tolerate it. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked of the land. He's going to exercise the death penalty. He's going to, in other words, he's saying, Cry, I'm going to make sure people realize crime doesn't pay. Cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Interesting resolutions from King David. Now, <clears throat> you continue in um, studying this subject in, in the Old Testament and it gets interesting, of course. The king is to be exam the example of this in his country. Unfortunately, David personally was not always that example. And that's a problem. Uh, all, but then let's take it a step further. All God's people are to abhor all wickedness and not allow sin to reign in their lives. All God's people. It's not just the leaders. It's not just the pastors. And the elders, but it is all of God's people. Pastor Steve is teaching 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings. We're in a section. We've been in a section that deals with that, that uh, we are not to tolerate sin in our lives. And then last week we saw in the life of the, of the church congregation. And uh, very, very important. So we need to have a plan for abhorring all wickedness and not allowing sin to reign in our lives. Here's three points in that. Ask God for a greater hatred of sin. And kind of go back to those verses in, in Hebrews 1 about Christ and see how he loved righteousness, did not hate sin. Ask that you would have that kind of hatred of sin and love of righteousness. Secondly, memorize and meditate on scripture that, that combat your specific temptations. If your temptation is on worry, memorize some verses on worry. If some of your temptations are on lust, memorize the verses that deal with lust. Uh, on and on, all the different areas that we are tempted in. There are verses that God has given us that we are to hide in our heart, that we might not sin against God. And then lastly, remember that sin is an abomination to God. If we keep that in front of us, the fact that this sin that I'm tempted to do is an abomination to God, that that would help to remind us that God has, has designed and desired that we would live a holy life, not a sinful life. Okay, the third proverb tonight. <clears throat> the king should surround himself with faithful advisors and value those who speak the truth. And that's in verse 13. Uh, the wise king understands that righteousness establishes his rule under God. That was in verse 12. <laughs> 
He expects righteousness in his own life and expects it of all who will help administer uh, his his reign or his government. Um, we, uh, we sure need this in our government. Uh, so often officials are appointed under the president or under different members of the cabinet and so on on the basis of maybe their contributions politically or maybe the check a box about certain ethnicities or skin color or things like that. But God would say the number one person is, number one is, is this person competent? Is this person wise? Is this person godly? It's a very, very uh, timely, timely one for us. Look at verse 13. Righteous lips are the delight of a king. Righteous lips. How do you get righteous lips? Well, it comes from a righteous heart. Matthew 12, 34, very well-known verse. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So uh, the condition of your heart is going to be seen in the words that come out of your mouth. So to have righteous lips, we need a righteous heart starts with the cleansing of salvation and then the living and, and growing in the Lord and walking in the power of the Spirit and confessing our sin and so on. Now, righteous lips will always speak the truth. That's the point here. Uh, they, they will not shade the truth. They will always speak the truth. Now, lying was part of of our old way of life, but now we're a child of God and there's a change. Turn over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. Ephesians 4, 25. Paul says, therefore, Ephesians 4, 25, therefore having put away falsehood. That was that was part of the old life that we put away when we came to salvation. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So lying was part of our old life, but now we're a child of God. Telling the truth is part of our new lifestyle. And so that fits in here in this proverb when this righteous king is delighted with lips that are telling the truth instead of falsehood. So he says, righteous lips are the delight of the king. This should be true. Remember, these, are, these verses are showing things that should be true of the earthly king. Uh, unfortunately, they are not always, but they should be true of the earthly king. And it's not pleasing to God when you hear lies coming out of the mouth of the country's ruler. So the country, it starts with the country's ruler. That he would have a cleansed heart that would be then producing words of truth instead of lies. Uh, or the ruler's spokesperson is not to be putting out more lies, but it starts with the heart and that they would be speaking 
uh, the truth. That's, that's a big thing we need uh, today. Continuing in verse 13, righteous lips are the delight of the king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Uh, now, some advisors to kings and presidents and leaders and so on have flattering lips. Uh, you hear that often of people who have been president and to, reflecting back on their time as president. And they'll talk about, you know, it's a real problem when you, when you have advisors. And instead of really speaking to you the truth, they're saying things to flatter you. That doesn't do you any good unless in your unrighteous heart, your ego is fanned by the flattery and you kind of like it. But that's not how it should be. Other advisors will twist the truth uh, to make themselves look good. And this proverb is saying, we don't want that with our leaders and those who are serving uh, under our leaders. A, a, a wise ruler will delight in the one whose lips speak the truth instead of flattery. So a leader needs accurate facts in order to make a good decision. So this leader needs people who are going to speak truth to him. So a ruler who is surrounded by flatterers and liars, unfortunately, will make many bad judgments, both in legislation, writing the laws, and in administration of the kingdom. So this, this proverb just really speaks to me as far as application of praying for our leaders. Pray that our leaders would, would be like this, people of the truth, seeking people of the truth. So it's not just our, our government leaders, but if you're the leader in, in, in your family, that you would be speaking the truth and you would be teaching those under you to speak the truth. If you're a leader at work, that you would be speaking the truth and, and encouraging those who work for you to speak uh, the truth and on and on and all the different ways in which we wind up in leadership. Well, lastly, as far as these Proverbs go, we have verses 14 and 15. Respond to the king in a godly way. Look at verse 14. How much better, no, excuse me, a king's wrath is a messenger of death. Now we have examples of that in the Bible. For instance, Pharaoh back in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 40, not too long ago, Dorian took us through this in his study in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 40, verses 1 and 2, uh, deals with the Pharaoh and Joseph. Uh, sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against the king, uh, the lord of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So the king is angry. Well, the anger of the king, this prophet says, is often a messenger of death. Uh, look down to verse 22. 22, but he hanged 
the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. And it all started because of the king's anger. Turn over to the book of Esther. Esther chapter 7 and verse 10. You have the uh, story of uh, Haman, this wicked man who had concocted a plot to uh, destroy the Jewish people. And um, it's a fascinating story. I, I hope you're familiar with it. But in Esther chapter 7, verse 10, the king said, hang him on that. That is a, a, a gallows that Haman had had erected to put Mordecai on. And then the king says, no, 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 no. We're going to honor Mordecai. Hang Haman on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for them. Then the wrath of the king abated. So there, there's that point. The, the wrath of the king is often a messenger of death. Well, turning back to verse 16 or verse 14, a king's wrath is a messenger of death and a wise man will appease it. To appease the sentence of death means to reverse it. The king is angry and he's going to kill this person, but the wise person will work on how to reverse that. Proverbs gives several uh, ways that the wise person can reverse the wrath of the king, such as humility, turning back to the 15th chapter of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So it's a reminder you know, start with humility. If, if you're going to appease, to help reverse the, the wrath of the king. Uh, repentance and confession turn to chapter 28 and verse 13, 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Now that speaks primarily from the Lord, but that's also from others, including possibly from the king who is angry enough to kill you. Um, there's renewed, another one is renewed loyalty. That's in chapter 16, verse six, uh, the beginning of the verse, by steadfast love and faithfulness, Iniquity is atoned for. We saw that one in our last study. There's also patience in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. The king has so much wrath, he's going to kill you. But a soft answer, we, we studied that in chapter 15. It is um, also in chapter 25. Verse 15, Proverbs 25, verse 15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. In other words, goes a long ways, has great power. And uh, so then there's this uh, whole thing of the gentle answer that we saw in chapter 15. You know, Daniel is an, is an example of a person speaking, uh, the, the, talked about this gentle 
uh, answer. Daniel illustrates a person speaking with dignity and calmness um, that can reverse the wrath of the king. Turn over to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. You remember the king as... Um, has had this dream and he's unhappy that none of his advisors of whom Daniel is one can interpret it. And he says, unless you interpret it, tell me the dream and then interpret it. Uh, I'm going to kill you all. Well, look at Daniel chapter two, verse five. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, that is his advisors, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. He's going to kill them. Then look down in verses 12 through 16. Verse 12. Because of this, when Daniel, under God's illuminating to Daniel what the dream was and what it meant and told the king. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. And that those words prudence and discretion can also be translated dignity and calmness. I think that gives a good picture of what this answer is. And it reverses the wrath of the king. Um, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent and Arioch and so on? Verse 16, they went, Daniel went in, requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. And you go on, and the king's wrath reversed itself. The issue of the, the word to kill Daniel reversed itself. Well, back here to this proverb. <clears throat> the godly way to respond to the king involves these things of humility and repentance and confession, renewed uh, loyalty, patience, and a gentle answer. Now, there is a monarch whose wrath is, is to be dreaded far more than that of a pharaoh, like or a Nebuchadnezzar, and that is the king of kings. And I put a good statement in your notes from Charles Bridges, wonderful commentator on the Proverbs back from the 1800s. He wrote, but think of the king of kings before whom the mightiest monarch is as dust. How much more is his wrath to be dreaded as a messenger of death? The kings themselves will fly to the rocks in vain to shelter from his fury. That's taken from Revelation 6, 15, 17, talking about the dangerous times near the end and, and so on. Sinner, so then he addresses sinner. Before it's too late, listen to the pleasing call. Be reconciled to God. And then when, when and then whose wrath does he need to fear? who knows that God is favorable to him. So there is no way that we can appease or reverse the anger of God at our sin. What God has said 
is he's poured his wrath out on Christ, the substitute, and for us to repent and trust in Christ. And that will bring the reversal of the very wrath of God himself. And then lastly, in back in Proverbs in verse 15, in light of a king's face, there is life. Um, this expression about light of a king's face is, is used also of the favor of God. Uh, you know, the famous benediction from Aaron, the high priest, that's in Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There's that wonderful promise about the Lord, the king himself will make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up his countenance upon us. So this proverb, in light of a king's face, there is life. And his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. The clouds, the, the Hebrew word like the cloud there is, is a Hebrew word for cloud that means a heavy cloud. It has a lot of rain in it. And the spring rains, they depended upon every year to bring the harvest to its culmination, the crops to their culmination so that they could harvest them. And they saw those spring rains as being part of the very favor of God. And so uh, he's saying the king, the earthly king is, is to be like that, that uh, the light of his face is life, but oh, how much better and greater it is for the very face of God and that great blessing from the book of Numbers. Well, we've covered a lot tonight, and I wanted to do them all together since they all are so connected, which is so unusual with the Proverbs. So I think for application, there's individual application with uh, each of those Proverbs, and I will um, trust that each one of us will ask the Holy Spirit to apply them to us. But I'd like to step back from that and, and, and look at a bigger picture. Uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and take these verses in Proverbs as a reminder of a very important command that is in Scripture for every believer, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, first, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, first of all then, first of all, it's not saying first thing you do in the day, but first in priority. Have this at the top of your priorities. I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uses several different words for prayer there, different aspects of prayer. And that they be for all people, not just for your friends, not just for people you like. In the case of, of public ev of world events, there may be countries that you know we don't we don't like. 
we're not just to pray for our country, but we're to pray for all peoples, races, nations, and so on. For kings, it gets into that in particular. And for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life and dignified in every way. In other words, that we might have a seriousness of purpose. We don't live in, want to live in a prosperous country, which we do, just to have a good time, just to have a party. But he says, not, not praying for kings so that, oh, that they will make it easy for us so that we can have a good time. No, so that we can have a seriousness of purpose. What's that? To glorify God, to share the gospel, to be involved in spreading God's word. And uh, he goes on, Verse three, for this is good, is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. That is rescued from the wrath of God and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So tonight, in light of these verses in Proverbs and in light of what's happening in Israel and the war that is going on, I, I want us to apply these verses in particular by being reminded, let's pray for leaders. Pray for the prime minister of Israel. Pray for the president of the United States. Pray for the other leaders who are involved in this. And pray that in Israel, that there are many Jewish believers in Jesus and pray that in the midst of this, there would be open doors and opportunities for them to share the gospel. And that during this time, there would be Jewish people who would come to faith in Christ. Pray for the Palestinians. You don't hear much about them, but there are some believers among the Palestinians. And pray as, as great suffering is going to be coming to them. But pray that there would be open doors for them to share the gospel. And even pray for those who are in the grip of Hamas, who are the terrorists, that God would open opportunities that the gospel would be given to them. And that there would be even some of the terrorists who would come to salvation. That's what these verses are about. And pray for the United States. Pray for our leadership. That they would be godly and so on, as these Proverbs have said. But that as a result of what's going on in the world, there would be greater opportunity for us to have an impact with the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these proverbs about kings. And Father, we pray for our president tonight. We pray for wisdom for him and his advisors. Keep them from unwise, foolish decisions. And Father, we would pray that they would remember what your word says, 
But if a person lacks wisdom, let him ask of you, and that they would turn to you, that they would realize their need of salvation and come to salvation. We pray that uh, in our country, there would be a, a time of much sharing of the gospel. We pray for that in Israel. And we pray for that in, in the Gaza Strip. Father, that there would be people in each one of these countries coming to faith. There'd be greater opportunities to share the gospel with them. Take these words and apply them to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For those watching on the live stream, we are so glad you've been with us here at the church. We're going to be